get out of my leeway though. <laughs> it's been like a month because I was in the hospital and whatnot. But anyways, all right. So welcome back. Uh, this is uh, your host David Minnis, the Film Noobs. Um, first of all, let's thank our the wonderful ladies of Southern Hospice Internal Treatment Center. I have to write it down all the time because I mess it up. But thank you, ladies, for the tacos for this month. Um, they always sponsor us. Today we have a very special guest, Lisa Ovies. 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 I still messed it up. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> she is right now in Canada, Vancouver. Yes. All right. So we are actually talking to somebody outside of the country. She is an exceptional director. Um, she won for uh, Best Horror and Best Female Director in our film festival, uh, River City Underground Film Festival, with her feature film, first feature film, right? As a director, yes. As a director, first feature film called yeah. Puppet Killers. So today we're going to talk to her um, and pick her brain and see what happens. All right, Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me and for recognizing our film. It means the world to us. You have no idea. <laughs> it was fun. So trust me. And that little creepy freaking puppet still looking at me right there. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your film. Um, tell us a little bit about the whole concept. Uh, okay, so Puppet Killer, the film itself is sort of, I liken it as Chucky meets Cabin in the Woods. It's a very self-aware love letter to 1980s horror films. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I think you can tell from watching it, I'm clearly obsessed with them. So yeah. is my writer, Kevin Mosley. And I also was going through a phase where I was getting really sad at the, my personal opinion, I know everyone's on a different side of this fence, but I'm really, really pro-practical effects, uh, on-screen kills and all of those things. So it was also an opportunity for me to not just bring comedy and the love of horror, but the love of practical effects back. So. Awesome. As a matter of fact, talking about that, one of our first episodes here, we, well, this was back when we were in school, before they ran us out of school, we talked about practical versus, you know, VFX and whatnot. And mostly it came down to the fact that we all love practical. And again, we're, we're in the same boat. We love 80s, 90s, cheesy horror, um, slasher films where you, it just, yeah. So that's why when we saw your film, we're like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> also, I know whenever someone says they enjoyed it, I'm like, you're my people. I don't need to know more. You, <laughs> you love the same stuff we do. One question before we go further, and I should have asked you this. Am I allowed to swear on this? Because I have a bit of a trucker mouth. Fuck yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm not going to try on purpose, but I, I always try and remember to ask that first. So. No, Thank man, you. that's the reason why they kicked us out of school, because we go, well... Most of us, we used to go to Incarnate Word uh, University, which was a Catholic private school. Oh, wow. After okay. like maybe 10 episodes, we kind of had to leave the school because we, we would get so like, oh, and a little F-bomb here, F-bomb there, and the shit here. And yeah, I was like, dude, yeah, we, we need to leave the school because the nuns are not appreciating our, <laughs> our vocabulary here. That's amazing. Cool. So what actually brought the idea of the doll and, and using it? Uh, I, it's a weird story. So I started off as an actress, then I started producing when I wasn't really in love with the content that I was able to access as an actress. Okay. Uh, and so at the time, I, and I don't know if you've seen my IMDb, I've literally worn every hat possible because I'm just obsessed with film and wanted to learn as much as I could. And I was a casting director 
on a feature film called Suspension. Uh, I think they've now changed the name to Sitter's Night. It came out about five years ago, four years ago. And I was also producing uh, a Bedbugs, a musical love story, which was a a short film, huge cast, hundred people, crew, uh, and a bunch of musical singing puppets. It was fun, but it wasn't really my jam. And I just was sort of like immersed in the horror world of suspension with all of these auditions and then being on this musical set. And I cannot explain this because I get asked this question a lot, but I remember standing on the stairs watching this musical number and thinking, you know, what would I do if it was mine? I'm constantly as a producer creating other people's content and I loved it, but I was just having this passion to create something of my own. And for whatever fucking reason, and I'll never understand why I was like, I killed them all with a puppet. I kill everyone with a fucking puppet. <laughs> nice, I love that. And, yeah. And I went home and it was immediate. It, it was originally a short and it was a lot more satirical. I know when people look at the synopsis for it, they think it's probably more of a slapstick sort of a situation than it is. Mm-hmm. And it did start out that way. Um, and then very quickly it evolved into what it is today. <laughs> awesome. Now, um, you have Alec. Ponovic. Ponovic. Man, I'm horrible with names. I'm sorry. We've also got some funky names in our cast. Like, I, I'm big for, like, ethnic representation, so we've got, like, a bunch of different... Uh, you have a plethora of representation in your film. <laughs> um, he's been in Valhansine, War of the Planet of the Apes, um, Arrow. You have Lee Maj- <laughs> Majdub. Majdub? Is that uh, Majdub, I believe. Majdub. Um, he's in Sonic the Hedgehog, um, the 100 Supernatural. Then you have Gigi Salguerrero, um, Culture Shock. She did, um, as a matter of fact, she just signed in with Hulu, not, not Hulu, um, Blumhouse. Yeah, she directed an episode uh, last year for Blumhouse, yeah. uh, and she also directed an episode of The Purge, Perfect. and then she's also a co-owner of Lucha Gore Productions, which is a phenomenal horror company. Yeah, I've seen some of her work and I followed when I saw culture shock because I'm Hispanic whatnot and I saw a lot of what she was doing she did both I think I was like oh dude that's so cool because now it's making into horror so I'm like yes finally um because I'm a big horror fan so to see that being introduced I was like yes um but you got a lot of great names a lot of staples people that have been in the show business have been within the horror realm and you're looking I was so lucky I know no I will never ever play down how lucky I was and how fortunate I was in all of this especially for my first feature film uh I think anyone who says they do it alone is just full of shit I mean it takes a village uh to make anything big budget small budget but low budget you know you're you're trying to be creative you're trying to come up with all these solutions um the Talbot twins were my DPs they're phenomenal uh and the I am also so lucky to live in Vancouver right so I live in Hollywood North I don't think people realize how much we make up here you know all of the X-Men's, most of the, the the comic book TV series are up here. We just have so much work. So I was able to just make offers. So we didn't do a casting session. These are just people that I knew uh, or people that I had worked with. I had directed a short called I Want to Date You. And I'd never worked with Alex. I'd never met him. I mean, outside of the industry, you know, events and stuff. Yeah. And me and him had a scene together. And he was so fucking funny. I was like, oh my God, you're my Jamie. And I pitched him the idea and he was like, I'm sorry, what? You want me to play help? 
And I was like, you can do it. And, and obviously the actors just destroyed it. So yeah, we were so lucky with our cast. Now I have a question about that because I know the script calls for their teenagers in high school. Alec is this big, giant, just manly man. Oh yeah, he's five, and, and anything you see him in, he was an ape in War for the Planet of the Apes. Like he's always the big booming villain, right? Yeah, you know, he's like you see him knuckle dragging, big burly dude. Just like he's a manly man, you know. It's yeah. like so. It's like at first I was okay. How am I going to suspend reality within my own, knowing that it's supposed to be a high school kid, and there's this big giant manly man who towers his dad. You know, what I mean his. Best friend has this full on, you know, beard. <laughs> but at the end, it's just like once you start going through the film, you're like, okay, cool. Fuck all that. Yeah. You forget about that one little thing and everything just falls into place. And you're like, that is so freaking brilliant. That's funny as shit. It's like, Thank you. carry themselves forward the way they're supposed to. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. So, I mean, why wouldn't I just change it to like college kids? Because to me, that wasn't the joke, right? I mean, so many times people 25 to 35 are cast to play high school, right? Um, and I just felt like if we were going to do it, we were going to we were gonna do it. Like, we were going to own it. These were going to be full 45-year-old adults. But like you said, yeah. and what I kept saying to them and why I think it's successful is that they play it so seriously. We never wink to the camera about it. We have a lot of jokes within the film that pay homage to horror but we never comment on their age we never make them self-aware and I think that's where it just became I'm gonna say brilliant but not because it was my idea because of their delivery um but we always knew we had like a 90% failure rate on that choice like a lot of people before seeing it they were like girl I think you really made a mistake with casting and I was like just trust me and then meanwhile you're like right am I right am I gonna fuck this up but uh yeah I just and I don't know if you noticed my three male leads are named Jamie Lee and Curtis yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, no, we only reference them all in order once in the whole film because we figured, yeah, we got a lot of like really layered jokes that you kind of have to see it more than once to get. But yeah, yeah that was it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenal in Halloween, but she looks 30. Yeah. So getting a 30-year-old wasn't wasn't funny to me. <laughs> well, I mean, we're only allowed to watch the films like twice on whenever y'all submit it to us through the Film Freeway. Then after that, we're like, okay, where else can we see these freaking films? Because a lot of them, like yourselves, is like, I wish I could own it and like download it and keep it, but we're not supposed to. No. <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to buy legal ramifications, you know, all yes. that good stuff. Um, so we do get caught and whatever. And I'm like, dude, I can't afford that crap. So I, but either way, let's go back to, <laughs> to the film. Um. It does. It has a lot of great references. Um, and I think you do have to see it more than once to be able to catch them all. Because like you said, right now, when you said, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I never, I never caught it until right now when you said that. Um, I like a lot of the on-screen killings. Um, a lot of them were really cool nuances to old um, horror flicks. And you're like, oh, when did you get in, in the tub? I know where that's from. Oh, cool, cool. Oh, when so so gets hacked in or uh, arrow in the eye. Oh, that's from so. So yeah, you're constantly calling back little things. Um, practicals. Yeah. How'd you go about choosing which ones and or? I mean, 
it was it was a challenge uh i'm also incredibly stubborn to a fault uh so i kind of went in on I wouldn't say ignorant to the challenge, but I just didn't go in expecting to not do them. I knew that they would be hard, but it wasn't. When me and my writer, you know, an intelligent, low-budget writer and or filmmaker is looking at all of the obviouses, right? Minimal characters, minimal location, you know, we're not doing an underwater chase scene. (laughs) We don't have the money. But in this one, we never really talked about sacrificing the kills for budget we just decided to really get creative and ryan and megan nicholson were our effects artists they are amazing they love it just as much as i do and so we always just knew that we were going to make them work and find solutions and you know we had to sacrifice in other areas for it um specifically the kill in the bedroom that i mean it's fully practically puppeted and you know that puppeteer was not a puppeteer yeah we got mentored um, by one of the puppeteers from Team America, but we couldn't afford her on set, obviously. And so we just sort of did some camera tests with her and we just got really creative. And then one of, I'm, I own an improv school and one of my improv students is really funny, but she's also very small and a double black belt and really bendy. And that was the literal, <laughs> okay, those, those check off my boxes. Do you want to be yeah. a puppeteer? Um, and so I would be fighting with people. They would be like, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. We've got to green or blue screen this. And I was like, no, this whole idea I've come up with is ruined if the puppet is blue screened and it's deaths and it's kills. So not deaths, but kills. And so we just worked it out and worked it out and worked it out and, and found camera angles that worked. And somehow we pulled them all off. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got a question on that because you're talking about sacrificing time and money. Um, a lot of times they always tell us in film school, it's like one, one, something has to give, um, creativity, time, money. Those are your three things that, you know, you're always constantly fighting for. And one of those three things has to be sacrificed Yes. Um, with your film. It didn't seem like it, but it's, oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, again, it's a puppet. So you can either see somebody there, you could green screen it, like you were saying, or blue screen it. Or you could just say, it's not going to be on screen. We're just going to make the sound. And before you know it, there's a dead body there with a bunch of blood. Yada, yada. Um, Which you didn't do. So how, what was your method for that? Uh, I think... Again, stubbornness. I, I know in the back of my mind, I always had a fear that someone was going to come up to me and pull the plug and be like, this kill is off screen, you know? And I do think that that's a powerful tool sometimes. I think, you know, Reservoir Dogs is a great example of that. The amount of people that are convinced they've seen that ear get cut off. So you yeah. can still affect your audience. But I also just detest that when I'm watching a horror film, I expect to see everyone slaughtered in front of me. I want to get in on it all. Um, and so we sacrificed time. It was the tightest schedule, uh, some, I mean, again, thank goodness we had the actors we had. Uh, we had a lot of dialogue prior as far as our character development. We worked out a lot of the beats with the puppet and the kills with our, our DP and our camera team. Some of the simpler shots, my actors got maybe one take on their close-up and it was moving on. And it was, yeah. So, and it was also me luckily knowing exactly, not exactly how I was going to edit it, but what I was going to use. We shot, I don't think there was one scene or anything that we shot that it didn't end up on, uh, on the screen pretty much because we were that, we had to be that efficient with our time. Oh, wow. That's, that's like ridiculous for me to hear that. Cause most of the time we like take three, take four and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to massage it just a little bit. And, all right. 
That is crazy. Yeah. But again, that gave me the time to do that in the kills, right? So mm-hmm. I I was able to then take a ridiculous the, the longest one was the bedroom one. Um mm-hmm. because we had to wrap barbed wire and we had to get all of those motions and movements in. Um but yeah, no, it was it was crazy. My my actors uh, I feel for them. My gratitude for how hard they were worked and always on the ball, always ready to go. We had the flu ravage our cast. So there's scenes where they're just destroying it and they are literally in between takes, probably throwing up in the bathroom. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, they were amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, um, when I was reading your bio on um, IMDb, it said that you had gone to Columbia Academy of Broadcasting, Vancouver yeah. Film School. And Vancouver Academy of Drama Arts? Dramatic Arts. Dramatic Arts. Yeah. So you've had at least three occasions where you've learned or you were taught. Um, of course, the question is always to film school or not to film school. Um, and I know Vancouver Film School was the only one that's technically a film school, uh, which you took documentary film production and screenwriting. Right? Yes. Okay, yes, I could read. <laughs> yes. All right, I can read IMDb. Cool. Um, so in your opinion, is it worth to go to a film school? I think that's such a good question and it's so loaded. Um, so I think it's misleading to say mm-hmm. that I went to film school. Obviously I did, but those were part-time classes that I took 20 years ago. so uh I can't say much of it really stuck stuck that's not a word stuck uh but also when I was in film school uh I in the production class I remember them passing around a digital camera like it was the it was just like this covenant of the ark moment where it was just like I was so scared to even touch it I was like I'm gonna break it it's too expensive. Um, so a lot of what I learned was, you know, hand splicing film and taping it together. And, um, cause I took some basic film at BCIT as well. Um, and then I kind of became more of the train of thought of, you know, that Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, Tarantino kind of Tarantino is a bit of a different story, but, um, making it yourself. So I dropped out of broadcasting school. Okay. I got a scholarship. I was thankfully top of my class but I kind of started realizing I was following plan B before plan A. And I was like, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. And if I'm fucking successful at this, I'm never going to go be a filmmaker. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I stayed for like three months. Um, I think it worked for me. I'm really lucky. I have been obsessed with film my whole life. I read every biography. I, you know, I think like most of us do, I've watched Rodriguez and Scorsese and Tarantino to the point where we can all, you know, quote them verbatim and, that really helped. Um, and, and I like the idea of if you could go to film school or take that money and make a film, maybe make the film that said puppet killer was significantly more than, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars But, um, I also think there's something to be said about people like Gigi, right? So Gigi took the, I think it's a four year film program at Capilano and she just knows more than me. You know, I know that I can tell you as my colorist or my editor in my 
creative manner something and then you will go okay that's not what you mean but you mean this and I'm like yes that's what I mean whereas Gigi if she has to she can sit down and color correct her films you know she can just technically do so much more than me she understands more about lenses and and so I'm always torn with that because part of me is like oh I would know so much more if I went to film school um but yeah so I don't think I answered your question (laughs) well no no you did you did in a way because again the question is is it worth in the long run going to school or just like yourself saying, fuck it, I'm going to take that money and invest in my first project because we all know our first project is always on you. Nobody's going to say, Hey, here's that 50 grand. Here's that shit. Nobody's going to tell you here's five grand, no 500 bucks. That's not happening anymore. And I mean, we have to invest in ourselves first. So I understand that. I would also say it's misleading too in that I didn't go to school and then I just made a movie. Um, I think I educated myself by volunteering on set too. Mm -hmm. Like I was everywhere I could possibly be. I was in any position that I could be. I was, you know, following around and picking people's brains. And anytime I'd go to a film festival, if there was anybody there, I was like, we're equals this weekend. I'm going to grab you and try and, you know, learn from you as much as I can. And I asked repeatedly for advice and just yeah so that I think was me like piecemealing my education together but in a way sometimes that helps more because you're hands-on um now let me ask you a second question to kind of caveat the first one you've done shorts and you've done um a documentary piece before this one so you got a chance to do a little bit more before you you jumped into like you said before you jumped in the water and said fuck it I'm gonna take this big on monster because feature films are totally different monsters you know when i went to school we did shit little fucking shorts and they were easy but then when i said you know what i'm a big boy i'm gonna put my big boy trainers on and i'm gonna do this feature film i was like oh wow dude i'm so overwhelmed i want to quit i want to quit i want to go home and i want to cry and hold a freaking puppet and and just (laughs) so the difference between a short documentary to now feature what has been that path and, and how do you think that that prepared you for where you're at if it did oh i absolutely think it did um i think all of the experience i had on indie sets in any capacity as as an actress, I was a lead on multiple indie features. And again, I wasn't the person that would just show up, do my bit and leave a lot of times too, especially if it was people that I'm in a community with. So me and Gigi and a gentleman named Joel McCarthy have made multiple films with Joel or me and Joel have made a bunch. Like we just, and, and so when Joel would be on set, I'd be like almost an AD that day and anything I could do to help. I think that really helped me understand how to keep it simple yeah. um, as best I can again I think if you see hopefully if you see puppet killer it doesn't feel like it was simple but just as far as like getting it bare bones I think that that really helped me a lot but again nothing really prepares you for like you said your first feature film when it's all on you I created it I produced it I I I was acting in it not a big role but and I was directing and I I, I fucking cried man (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be this glorious, the same feelings. I'm not going to say that shorts aren't hard or they aren't awesome, but like I directed shorts. I directed my first short. 
I was actually a producer. Four days before we went to camera, they ended up having to let the director go and pretty much say, Lisa, you're going to direct it. It was so much fun. I knew what I wanted on camera. I loved my team. It was joyous. And I thought that was going to be every day on a feature. <laughs> it was, it's shocking how different it is. I was in a state of anxiety every minute we were on set. And oh yeah, I went home and was crying. I was like, this is supposed to be fun. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, 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 none of it prepared me. None of it prepared me. I'm oh, sure man. it helped and it would have been worse, but yeah. oh man. <laughs> wow. Now, um, your documentary film, uh, what was it? Taking My Parents to Burning Man. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, that's I am, funny and quirky. The idea of like, you're taking your, how do you put it? Semi-retired parents to Burning Man. It's, I'm so proud of this film. Uh, I was a producer on this film. Joel McCarthy, who I was just speaking of, was one of the co-creators uh, co and co-directors, producers, editor, you know, film. We all do everything. Uh, <laughs> and so they went to school with Gigi. And in the final, I think it was the final year, they had to come up with a project and pitch it. And so Spry Bry is exactly as Spry Bry is in the film. If you see it, he just absolutely obsessed with festivals and he's a DJ and, and he lives the festival culture. And so he pitched this idea um, and his parents said, yes. I mean, they, they sent him to Bible camp. Like this is not... <laughs> They, I don't think they thought it was going to happen and they thought it was just a final project pitch. And then they ended up um, deciding to make it. And because the school was like, you're not taking our, our equipment into the black rock desert uh, to get ruined. They did a crowdfund for $10,000 and they took his parents to Burning Man and they shot a phenomenal doc. And it's so heartwarming and not what people expect. I love this film. I, we traveled all over with it. We won so many audience choice awards so unexpectedly. And every time we'd watch it with the audience, we would just be like, they're crying. It's so heartwarming, but they don't expect it. So, I mean, it, it looks really fun. Cause I was like, I, I looked at the time. I was like, taking my parents to Burning Man. I mean, I have old parents and they're Hispanic. So I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, that they, they would not survive out there. The parents are hilarious, and the mom cracks me up because the amount of times that you see her just go, I knew it would be dusty. <laughs> I mean, they said it would be dusty, but it's so dusty. Like, no matter what anyone told them, they were just so clearly not prepared for Burning Man, but they were great sports about it. <laughs> wow. Now, you talked about doing an Indiegogo for that one. What about um, with Puppy Killers? Because I know you had a pretty hefty... Oh, but for that one, what was your, that one was all independent investors. Okay. Um, yeah, I've never personally done a crowdfunding campaign. So I came on to take my parents to Burning Man after they had done that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we weren't opposed to it because, but we never, we were lucky enough to get private investors. So when we went to picture again, because all of our actors were on these fairly large television shows, I pretty much just had to walk into the agent's office. And luckily I was friends with these agents and say, what are my inside outside dates for Richard Harmon on the 100? Cause he was a, a lead at the time. And it was like, you've got this window to this window. I think we had, you know, maybe December 15th to January 7th or something crazy like that. And we had maybe 80% of what we figured was the budget uh, saved at that point. And we just thought, screw it. We're not getting this window again. This is the only time these people are available. They're giving up Christmas. And then we ended up having to raise our finishing funds afterwards. Um, but again, we were very lucky that 
we had people that invested in it, but we were never opposed to it if we had to, like without question. If we had to, we were going to beg, borrow, steal whatever we could. Because again, we we did it so strong that I just. That's why we took a while in post. Like we took almost three years in post. And part of that was because some people were saying, let's just finish it. And I was saying, how can you do 80% at this level and then shit the bed at the finish line? So again, me being super stubborn and not knowing if I was right, um, I fought to get the money to do it properly. And I think that's what a lot of indie guys fail to do is the fact that they don't cross the finish line as strong as they started. You know what I mean? Like you were saying, you, you get to that 80%, you figure out, oh, fuck, dude, I'm still maybe $2,000 short. I'm maybe a week's worth of time, but I know I have a weekend and two grand, so fuck it. I'm just going to shoot it however it shoots, and I don't care. And so at the end, the quality, you see the quality. You know what I mean? And that was... I like it. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and I get it. I get it because it's exhausting. I get it because you put your life into it. And, you know, especially with a feature film, that was, you know, that was a good year of pre-production on it. Um, and get it in it. it I, I sympathize with them because I wish more people were given the time to finish it properly. Um, and, and especially if it's a feature, you have investors that are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like finish your film, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to balance with everyone, like we are going to finish, but we're going to finish strong. So I, I can get how tired people could be and maybe not even self-aware that they are sacrificing. They're just like, we've got to finish this. I need a finished film for festivals or just to have it under your, you know, your belt as part of your learning experience. No, I, I do, or I did see what you were talking about with your set designs. Because most of your stuff was shot on one cabin. You almost did a, a Remy with, uh, da, 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 da. man, we have darkness. Evil Dead? Oh, yeah. Evil Dead. With Evil Dead. Everything was shot in one cabin. Yeah. Maybe you were things here and there or whatever, but it was one location. It was done yeah. with tight you know um like you said a lot of it was actor driven rather than scene driven so it worked i mean i i really liked puppet killer um, thank you i'm so obsessed with sam raimi and evil dead that i actually have an evil dead homage shot in it i've got two but one is when curtis the character with the beard is running through the forest and we have a very specific color grade on this film i wanted like a yellow vignette i wanted it to feel like an old vhs even though we shot on a 5K Dragon, I like really did sort of pull down the quality of the film in post. But in that shot, we changed our color grade. We changed everything. We dropped the camera down. And I literally like shot to shot with Evil Dead with my color correctionist was like, we drop out of everything and we drop into Evil Dead World just for this because I just fucking love it so much. And like I said, I mean, right out the back when I was watching it, I was like, that's a callback because it's a cabin. It's in the woods bunch of people get killed i could see it where she's kind of pulling from that but i don't want to make direct reference and be like so wrong to where you're like no it's the original fuck you you know what i mean no 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 it's not original at all <laughs> um i had a question because um i interviewed scott um scott dunn he does um and he has a, a puppet but it's not it doesn't play into the film but it's like a little puppet of a serial and in their website, they actually sell the puppet, you know, to kind of raise funds or whatever. 
And every time I keep looking at that puppet, that's all I'm like, I'm sorry. I keep looking at your puppet. I'm like, I keep forgetting he's here. He's just, he's checking up on you. <laughs> I don't forget because he's watching me. So, you know, what I mean? um, now you said you had, you were working on another project currently uh, with mm-hmm. 45 different directors, seven countries. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. And I'll just let you know about the puppet too. We've had so many requests for people that want to buy Simon, that I do believe that that is going to be a thing, which I'm super excited about. Um, let me know. Cause yeah. I'd love to get a copy of Simon to put up in our little wall there of, of shame. That, so that'd be pretty cool. Cause I could have him watching somebody else. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so I created something uh, called Project Quarantine, which I don't think is an original title. And there's probably about a thousand of those out there right now where we're all in isolation. Um, but I started it, um, right at the beginning when, you know, Vancouver film industry on March 10th shut down completely. And so many of my friends are in film and hundreds of thousands of people just immediately lost their jobs. And these are Obviously, I, I have empathy for everybody in every sector, but this is just this is my industry, and everyone that's creative just sort of didn't have a purpose, and it just I just created it as something fun. So what I did was I took the room, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's so horrible and so wonderful, and we broke it down, and it's we broke it into forty five different scenes, and we found, like you said, forty five directors, seven different countries. We've got people from Italy, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, Ireland, all over, lots of American directors in horror, lots of the horror communities involved. And everybody recreated in isolation uh, their scene. So isolation rules, you can only use your camera, uh, or your, pardon me, your phone. Uh, you can only film with people that you live with using the things that you have. And oh my gosh, people are so creative. I'm dying. I'm getting these these films, or their scenes sent in, and I'm just dying. We have banana sex scenes. We have a hand puppet sex scene. Uh, it's just, it's insane. And then so many people just dressed up like Tommy Wiseau and his character in black wigs and it just it's one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in my life I'm quite proud kitty yeah he's trying to make his own little appearance real quick cameo yeah yeah (laughs) so now with this project are you gonna what film festivals are you gonna I I can't imagine any film festival would want to play this it's so weird you never know I mean this is something that's unique it's well, it's neat too because we've got some pretty awesome people involved. Like I said, like we've got some pretty uh, decent names in the horror community that have directed, or we've got actors like from Riverdale and from the 100 and from C. And like we've got um, one of our actresses, Katie Stewart, who's one of my best friends and my producing partner. I mean, she's Kitty Pride and X Men, you know, like we've got some cool people in it. Um, so I think people might be interested in watching it. The first thing we're going to do, um, probably, I haven't asked Joel yet, so I should ask him first. But Joel McCarthy, who I've mentioned multiple times, actually set up a broadcasting system while all of this was going on. And we've done a bunch of films together and he's been live streaming some of our features and then um, patching in a Zoom after for a Q&A. And he does them on his YouTube channel. So whether or not we take that model and try and do it ourselves or, or do it through him, uh, I would like to do like a worldwide release where everyone can watch it at the same time. Everyone can interact together um, and sort of bring all the filmmakers that made it together. And there's a lot of people that are watching us online going like, oh my God, when can I see this crazy Frankenstein of a film you've made? So... 
I, I'm excited to share it. We've got um, like a full, the puppet killer team is actually finishing it. So we have sound designers, my composer who did Stephen Gallagher, who did uh, Lovely Bones and the Hobbit trilogy in New Zealand. He's working with Chase Horseman in the States from Kansas City. Like it's going to have an interesting polish to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice, dude. You know what? I'm so, I'd be stoked to, to watch it. Thank I mean, you. Let us know, even in for our film festival, let us know if we could help. Oh my God, for sure. I don't know. I mean, it's a parody, so I think we're allowed to get away with that. Yeah. Parody yeah. laws are pretty kind, right? Yeah. As long as yeah. Have, uh, parody. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is something that one of my other friends who is a critic, they just try to flag him for the same thing for um, creative comments, or not, not creative comments, uh, copyright infringement. But he's like, okay, first of all, I'm a critic. So within critic, uh, criticism, parodies, and whatnot, we're allowed to kind of use and abuse your material without permission because we're not making money. We're kind of critiquing and we're parodying right. your stuff. And so now he's fighting with them and whatnot. And he's like, okay, well, let's, let's take it to court. And so they're like, no, you know, you're right. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, yes. But it was you're because true, he yeah. gave them a bad review and, and they just like blocked him or something. And he's like, Dude, I don't give a flying fuck. This is my job. And I was like, fight it. Also, you can't please everyone. Like, it's so nonsensical to say that you aren't going to have a bad review. Like, I love bad reviews. I, I think I like them better than honest reviews or nice reviews because I think they're more honest. That's funny. My favorite, we've actually, that I've seen, I'm sure we have bad reviews out there. I just haven't seen. The only one I've seen yet is on IMDb and it's fucking awesome. We've got all these like wicked reviews, but like, you know, lengthy. I yeah. put some thought in. And then this one just says something like, UG is the title. And then it says, there are a lot of really good puppet films out there. This is not one. And I remember being like, what fucking good puppet films are there out there? We are a very weird genre. Like, we, I don't think there's a lot. <laughs> I think they were referencing like puppet Take Manhattan or maybe the puppet Christmas Carol, you know? <laughs> oh, really? I'm like, yes, they are way better than us. You are. Uh, <laughs> You're being compared correct. to yeah, them. So it's just a good news. thing, you know? <laughs> Totally. Yeah, because the one big review that we got, we're like, oh, you know, it's like I expected this movie to be like a sci-fi channel uh, special. Yet I'm like, wow, that'd be badass. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they're they're B movies, and I'm being compared to them. Fuck yeah, dude. I was like, that's awesome. great. Yeah, I'll take. They're like, no, they're it. talking shit about your film. I'm like, I know, that's pretty cool. I'm being compared. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's why I'm like I, I appreciate any kind of critique. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so and I mean, the, any of us making something subjective, especially like I made a fucking movie where the killer's a puppet. I would be so stupid to assume that people aren't going to think that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to be like, "Dude, I hate you because you ruined my child yes. puppet. I had a puppet that looked like that. Now I'm scarred for life." <laughs> <laughs> or it's like a 45 year old man playing an 18 year old how dare you you're, you're stupid or whatever oh yeah i've definitely i've definitely actually had that feedback so that's okay. <laughs> you can't please everybody but no not at all please, but the people you have please i have to say are the kind of people who understand this kind of craziness and it's it's awesome kind of craziness, and I love the film. Thank you. Um, I really do. It'd be better to maybe have a follow-on movie, maybe in the works. Uh, 
we've definitely had talks about Puppet Killer 2. Um, it did take three years in post. I love this film. I'm really lucky that I still watch it and enjoy it. But I could also use a break. <laughs> Just because, you know, and this festival circuit run was amazing. We're so lucky. I, I My heart goes out to the filmmakers that were just about to start their run right now because it's, you know, it's really what we do it for, right? To meet other filmmakers and to yeah. finally see our film with an audience. And even now, I think we've had about 20 that obviously we weren't able to do and it's heartbreaking. But um, I got to live in this world for so long with audiences that I, I almost want to bring something new. So me and Kevin are in talks to do an awesome slasher he wrote called the mall m-a-u-l the weapon um and i'm also in talks with a company um and i always say it wrong chihulu chihulu productions um for an amazing script called uh, beverly hills lizard people all right <laughs> and it's everything it sounds like um and again on-screen practical effects and uh a fantastic horror so those or i'll get suckered into puppet killer too i'm happy with any of them cool now i got a question um puppet killer right now mm-hmm. other than festival run i mean where could people see it interesting uh <laughs> I could have answered that question better a month and a half ago because it's kind of weird to see where we're going now. Mm -hmm. Um, We originally had um, a different plan and I've been asked to not sort of say too much because we we don't want to set up an expectation that isn't fulfilled. So yeah. we're still aiming for theatrical. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's just so hard to know what the world looks like now. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm also, I mean, theatrical is great for some reasons for, I mean, it's so great to get people out there looking at it and it helps with your VOD sales because you can bump yourself up to a different pay grade. There's a lot of positives to it. Yeah. But it's also a time where, you know, having content, finished content, um, you know, look at, what was that? Tiger King. I mean, if that can go amazing, <laughs> maybe people will put their eyeballs on our film. Too. So we may, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I, I know that's a roundabout answer, but I, I, everything's changed so much. I know we will be getting out there. We will yeah. absolutely be getting out there. I just don't know in what platform we're going to start it at. Now I've got a question to follow that. And because this is something I had asked other filmmakers that we've been interviewing is the fact that, a couple of years ago, we saw a big change with video on demand. You know, the, the, the gatekeepers were the big, like you said, theatrical release. Oh, theatrical release. Um, Netflix has been dominating with, with how content gets out there, as well as Hulu and, and uh, Amazon uh, Prime and so forth. With everything going on now, um, just recently, uh, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Um, AMC had a big fight with one of the... Universal. Yeah. Um, who was it? When they released Trolls. Who's Trolls? <laughs> it was Universal Studios. Universal. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So they had a big fight about the fact that Universal said, fuck it, we're releasing, you know, pay-per-view or pay-to-view and fuck theaters. And of course, the theaters pushed back and said, you know what, we're not showing you any more of your films. I'm like, dude, this is one of the com- big conglomerate giants that we've always kind of bowed down to. What do you see? I mean, independence, where where you see yourself? It's interesting one. And I mean, obviously, this has been a huge comment, um, sorry, conversation on social media and um 
I, th- there's a gentleman named Aaron Kuntz, a fantastic director. He just finished Scare Patrick Package and a bunch of other things. And he's, he sort of definitely opened my eyes on a different perspective than I had before. But I, I originally was quite supportive of AMC in the sense that, you know, if, if you're skipping that window, it's, if, if you're releasing theatrically and, and shutting, I don't know exactly what obviously their conversation was, if it was going to be no window and they were going to release simultaneously, or if they were going to shorten the window to a week or two or whatever it was. But the reality is for anyone to be successful in theatrical, for a distributor to invest the money for my film to be in theaters, it's so expensive. They're never going to do it unless they have the opportunity to really make money doing it. And if someone, you know, other than us film fanatics who love going to the theater, if someone can go and spend 30 bucks or in two weeks, watch it in their home they're not going to go to the theater anymore and I think that's been the strong push is that six month or whatever window it is to say okay obviously I'm going to go and see x y and z in the theater because otherwise I don't get to see it forever um and so I I understand I think where AMC is coming from I think they also are very supportive of indie film and in that capacity like I've seen filmmakers that are on either side of this but I don't think that their intention because, you know, what do I know? I haven't talked to any of them, is to necessarily actually cut them off at the knees, but hopefully to instigate dialogue to have a better solution. Um, and I mean, it's a hard one. I make my films for you to watch them in the theater. I'm, you know, it's, I've even specifically watched my film in a theater with people and then watched it with five people in a room. And even though they were ecstatic to watch it, it's just not the same experience. No, it's not. So as a filmmaker, I mean, that's what we live for. That's the moment, you know? And, and so it's, I don't know, times are a changing man. Yeah. <laughs> That is true. That that's it's scary because we don't know what's next, and no. that's that's really the thing that none of it, not us as independent guys and the bigger guys. I don't think anybody really knows anymore what what to expect. And that's no, and that's just it. That's when we talk about what we're doing with Papa Killer, it's just like, well, we had a plan, and that went shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, you're in Vancouver, which means that, you know, a lot of it is um, SAG and Indian, right? We're, uh, our, our local union is UBCP. Mm-hmm. So that's our University of uh, British Columbia Performers, our Union of British Columbia Performers. Right. Now, I have a question because, like, with here, us in Texas, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're a right-to-work state, meaning that we don't have to unionize. But if we want to get into the bigger projects, like in California, in uh, Louisiana, in Georgia, and places where Hollywood kind of has a little bit more foothold, you have to work under a union kind of umbrella. With y'all, how different is that? I mean, in Canada being that it's different. I mean, it's not U.S. no more. Um, How much easier is it to be unionized as an independent versus saying, you know what, I'm an independent. I don't need to be unionized. I mean, you're, you're having to work with all these actors who are. Right. Um, I think it's, it's interesting. And I think it really depends on what your trade is going to be. Right. So we do make so much film. So um, IATSE is our, our union out here for uh, a lot of um, our crew. Um, So I think, 
It's, it's yeah, like I said, on different levels. So we do a lot of MOWs, a lot of Hallmark, a lot of lifestyle. They're actually of a, a different union. They're going to be, um, they're going to pay a little less. They're going to have um, smaller crews, faster turnaround, and then they're going to kind of just keep pumping out the movies. You bump up to you know the higher union, and you're going to be making Supergirl and Batgirl and all these amazing shows, right? You're going to be protected. You're going to be making a lot more money. Um, the DGC is fantastic. Our directors guild up here. Um, they're super supportive, but as far as actors go, um, I would say it, and I, mean, I own an acting school too. So I also like always try to really be careful with this answer. Cause I'm so pro indie and I love it. Uh, I, I've always said to our actors, like until you have to become a union member, just, just pause because the reality is you can audition for both. Right. But as soon as you become a union member, it's a little bit more complicated to do indie projects. However, I have a full indie cast and UBCP was amazing. Uh, up here they have what's called, um, the ultra low budget agreement where, you know, we, we paid our actors, not a lot of money, certainly not with their worth. Yeah. And, the, you, and we just did it all legally. We got the insurance, we did everything we needed to do. And the union was very supportive. So I think Vancouver is fantastic as far as really marrying or marrying the two. Um, and then we just got to deal with them where, you know, if, and when the film makes money, and then obviously we go back to the union and we give them X amount of what we've made and they split it with the performance. Um, so yeah, I think we're pretty awesome out here to be either or, um, and not be super limited on it. Okay. So um, that's a little bit better than what some of the things that we have to run here. Again, I'm speaking strictly for Texas because we're not a union state. I know you guys get all the voiceover gigs. I know so many actors up here that are like, fucking Texas, man. God damn it. They're getting all the voiceover shows. Yeah, but we don't get all the big shows either. I mean, we have great um, Texas funding and, and, and some tax incentives, but nobody wants to come here and film because... Because it's non-union. Non-union at all. And I'm like, Louisiana, which is right next to us, they're like, yeah, dude, we're getting all the big gigs. And we're like, you know, we have more if not better stuff here guys damn that's a hard one <laughs> so yeah it, it's it's really bad for us because our indie scene is strong and it's really big but it's not where most everybody else is at even in california the indie scene there is a lot stronger a lot better because again they get the pool from all those actors but again because they still fall under the union union kind of umbrella and that's why i was asking you the same thing Especially because in Vancouver, I mean, shit, y'all have, sh man, y'all have so many shows that are being pumped out of there. One of my favorite, of course, you know, Supernatural. But anyways, um, but yeah, that's but that's, that, I was just saying Supernatural is a great one. Alex Ponovic actually, I think, played two different characters on Supernatural. It's been here, yeah. I think, 14 seasons to the point where they're like, man, you can't throw a rock without hitting an actor from Supernatural. Out here. <laughs> but um, that's where we're also really lucky, too. And that's where the quality of Puppet Killer comes from, as well as we have all these insanely talented crews that are working union jobs who also love being more creative. And so when they do get downtime, you know, that's how you get to pull these people together and go, let's make this fucking indie. Let's go to the forest to kill a bunch of people and get creative and so we're lucky on so many levels in vancouver for what we have access to as indie filmmakers as well that's badass man so what's next for you like what project are you you wanting to do or it's again it's the world is so different right now i don't know uh i definitely want to get either the mall or beverly hills lizard people up off the ground i was just in la with meetings with some studios uh in february i 
I think I made it back about a week before everything shut down. Um, so hopefully that moves forward. Um, there's another film that I have created that uh, Kevin Mosley, my writer, and I were chatting about when we were in, we were just in Kansas City for Panic Fest. I say that, but it was in January. Oh, time went by so fast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah I'm gonna... halfway through the year, and I'm like, man, dude, where, 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 where is everything gone? Oh, it's it's crazy for the fact that we're all stuck inside. It, time should be going back way slower. But um, yeah, if everything opens up again and we've got the opportunity, uh, we've been in talks to either do, like I said, the mall, which is a, a slasher film. I liken it to taking America, Trump's America, putting it in a mall and lighting it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that or the, the creature feature Beverly Hills Lizard people were in talks with ADI so Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated that did like you know Alien and Predator and everything um, they're looking at doing our lizard people which would be amazing like full practical puppeted lizard um, freaking awesome oh, it makes me so excited and just to work with them they're so talented uh, Alec Gillis one of the owners is just such an amazing human so um, and then uh, uh, working on a script called uh, The Descent Minor which I love the movie, The Descent. So it's kind of the claustrophobia of The Descent with um, the age of the Goonies where I really would like kill a bunch of fucking teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And then obviously getting Puppet Killer out to everybody's eyeballs. <laughs> However that looks. I know. That's, that's one of the biggest things that I'm always trying to figure out how to get people to watch what we've watched. Again, we, we we have the the film festival, so I'm like, I'm kind of cheating there because I get to see stuff that most people will never see. Um, but yeah, people need to see the puppy killers. It it it, it is funny, quirky, and just downright kind of slashery throwback. You know what I mean? Thank you. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you made it, so. Unless you have a meltdown. Oh, man, you can make so that you know we're not good. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I ran out of questions because we've been talking about just everything else. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, I'm thinking about all these other things that we've been talking about, especially, you know, the whole film festivals, the pushback. Uh, I was, I was supposed about, to be at Crypticon Seattle this weekend. Were you? Yeah, I, I love Crypticon. I've been going for, I think, four or five years, either as a guest or doing panels and whatnot. And, uh, heartbreak. Uh, what was it? Uh, the big one here in Austin. South by Southwest got pushed to I know and I know so many filmmakers that hold out to have that be their world premiere so that was just I think that was just a collective heartbreak for so many independent filmmakers either experiencing it or just having that empathy for the people that weren't I feel um, the thing about them also and this is one of the things I asked uh, one of the other guests um, was the fact that they gave them the option of doing the their screening or their premiere on Hulu because they were not Hulu. I'm sorry, on Amazon Prime because they struck a deal with them to have a digital premiere. And I know, like you were saying earlier, one of the biggest things is to be in an audience and you know have the lights turn on and you turn around and there's like 300 people there. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, so I was like, I don't know. I mean, 
How do you feel about that? I, it's such a hard time. And I know everyone's just trying to come up with solutions, right? Like we're getting messages from film festivals too, that are like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to transition potentially online. And how do you feel about that? And I think for short specifically, it's a great fucking opportunity, you know, um, any film festival that's willing to screen their shorts. I mean, obviously sometimes you're going to sell to an anthology and you're, you're going to make some money off of them. Uh, but also a lot of times you're trying to get people to watch your shorts and trying to get it out there. So I think in that capacity, there's some really cool opportunity for filmmakers. I think feature films is really sticky. I think every film's in a different space. I think anyone that got accepted to South by Southwest clearly has a phenomenal film, meaning that they were vying for like, you know, some decent purchases, some decent distribution offers. And like you said, that, that feeling of being in a theater and I mean, it's as a filmmaker, Film festivals are like my summer camp, right? And we, you build this family together and there's just something amazing about touring around the world with these people you love and experiencing your film in a theater that so many people got robbed of to no one's fault, obviously. It just happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think some films that are maybe smaller than the ones that would have gone to South by Southwest, getting online opportunity might be a really great thing. But oh, it's going to be a per per film decision and I feel bad for everyone having to decide what they're going to do. I don't know what we would have done. You know, I, I'm Probably. really a devil's advocate on something that you said when it comes to shorts. And a lot of times this is one of the discussions we've had also within our film festival is that not enough attention is paid to shorts and only because I mean, they're not at the same caliber as a feature film. And we all know this. I mean, to do a feature film, it's years of planning. Um, Post-production could last, like yourself, three years worth. A short, come on. Shoot it on a weekend. And three, four days later, you have a finished product if you're good enough and you kind of know what you're doing. Um, So a lot of times, even for us as film festival people were kind of like, yeah, it's a short, buddy. Be happy. You know, you do well. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it is, it is kind of almost, like you said, to benefit them to do that. But at the same time with us, it's more of like, well, you're kind of filling space. We love you because you did great, but it's not a feature film. And I think sometimes it's kind of a double-edged sword for them. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that. I can see that. And I mean, and I have to also say too, like I've seen some fucking great shorts. Obviously, um, there's always short blocks at film festivals, and you try and go see as much as you can. And uh, I think with with the opportunity for so many people to be like remaking Stephen King's films, I just saw uh, a short called Willa that um, was just freaking unbelievable. And the team clearly put it's Canadian, and they clearly put so much time into their their visual effects. And you know, Luchagor's El Gigante, and all of these other shorts that have done so well um i think i think films like that could potentially really take advantage of, of this opportunity but yeah i don't know it's it's just a hard one to answer in any capacity <laughs> i've also not short so what do i know what i'm talking about <laughs> no it, it, it is it's, it's weird but again we're filmmakers so any kind of way of putting ourselves out there is it's going to be a positive thing, whether like we said, negative or or good or whatever, or if it's a short or whatnot. It just most of us kind of have that biased between shorts and features. So, but yeah, oh man, 
How's everything else? Weather? Life? Pretty good. I mean, I live in Vancouver. I'm really lucky. Um, our, our province is doing amazing. We've had pretty good weather. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And I mean, we're trying to deliver a film in isolation. <laughs> so we have a lot of work to do. My team is staying busy. That's for sure. At least that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Unlike yeah. someone else, we're like, oh, I can't do shit. I'm here by myself. I'm done. I'm waiting. <laughs> I thought I was going to be bored. That's another reason I created Project Quarantine. And now suddenly I'm trying to finish two fucking feature films. And I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Plus I own a studio that I'm transitioning online. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> See, that's what you get. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's what I get. Oh man, but Lisa, I do want to thank you though. I really want to thank you for taking your time out, um, talking to us, kind of going over your film, um, some of the things that you're doing out there, which I think is great. Especially that 45 filmmakers in seven countries, if you ever get a chance to let us know if we could help you in somehow or whatever, we'd love to see something that crazy. That is so cool. Thank you so much. I will absolutely send it to you or I'll invite you to our live stream or whatever. I'll figure out a way to get your eyeballs on it. Yeah, man. Um, it's something else. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way you pitch it is it, it's, it's interesting because 24, I mean, not 25, 45 different people's point of view being meshed together to a finished project that alone, you know, not only that, but you're, you're, Crossing seven countries. To me, that's, that's, you can't get any better than that. Come on. Filmmakers, you know, you're, you're, you're consolidating all these guys into these, this great hush posh and gooey gooey film goodness. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know how to explain it. That That's just badass, you know? I love it. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? I, I, this is obviously a hard time for everyone, but I also realize it's a unique time where I suddenly have access to my entire film community from all over the world. It's all fucking bored shitless. I got people that I never would have got otherwise. It would have been way too busy that are just like, yes, my TV show is canceled. Let's make something. <laughs> well, it's the same for us. We're like, dude, you know, it's like most of the time we sit here, we, it, I have all of us here, the film noobs, the whole crew, we're sitting here watching people's films and commentating on them and talking bullshit. But I'm like, you know what? I'm by myself. Yeah. Let me call up some of these people and talk to them and see what they're this up to. This is smart. <laughs> so I, think I appreciate it because it's like the first time I've actually put on makeup in a long time. <laughs> I am legit wearing pajama bottoms, but I did put on a, like a shirt and I was I'm like, not okay. Uh, no, I think it's really funny, too, because we're both, like, totally wearing our Star Wars garb right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's all you saw yeah. behind me, right? I was like, so I, I know, I saw all that as soon as we signed on. I was like, well done, sir. But, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate any, like, when it's me and my producing team and we're all on Zoom working together, we're all, like, just roll out of bed, work, go to bed. So having a purpose was very great. So I appreciate you inviting me to talk. <laughs> no, anytime, anytime. And like I said, if we could get, get you back on the show for any other, you know, again, film or anything you want to release, put out, talk to us, put on makeup again, let us know, man. We'll bring you back on. Um, you're always you. welcome back here on Film Noobs. And we do appreciate the time you, you took out to talk to us. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really, really appreciate the invite. 
<laughs> All right. Well, until next time, thank you. And guys, um, stay tuned for another episode sometime soon. Next week, hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no one knows anything. <laughs> All right.